0: Ladies and gentlemen, we're Shovel, and this is The Growing Season, brought to you by News Talk. It's like a 960 AM. I'm Matt McFarlane, one of a trio of McFarlands that you will hear this week. Mom and Dad, Jack and Lynn, join me, but they are my business partners, is how well I think
1: of them. Guys, how are you? I think you was as my son, not my business partner, Matt. Awesome. Yes, you're
0: my awesome. son, too. Yes, I am the bum that was changed by you. Oh, yes. Numerous <laughs> times. Quite <laughs> a few times, actually. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. More than once. This week, guys, our color series, the TGS color series, is proving to be quite popular. If you you are unaware of what we're talking about, growingseasoncanada.com is the website. Click on TGS color series. And effectively, what we've done is over the last couple of weeks, we've been discussing plant materials of specific colors. So the first week was yellow. Last week was purple. This week happens to be red. And we're calling this the Red Hot Show, right? Yes, Matthew. Absolutely. So what's going to happen is... Just after this show airs, you can go to growingseasoncanada.com, click on Showbits, and this show will pop up. Its blog will be there. But if you click on TGS Color Series, the little artwork for this show shows up as well. You can click on the artwork, and it directs you right over to the Showbits section, the blog, the visual accompaniment for the show. Why are we doing this? Well, because we've had many clients and we've had many listeners ask, what should I be planting in in a shade situation that flowers yellow? And so we thought, wouldn't it be cool to do colors based? Ligularia dentata. Yes, thank mm. you. What's your Latin alert? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> at, at the beginning of the show. So we thought it would be nice to have almost like a color library when it comes to plants. And our listeners are already really, really responding to it. She's Lynn, he's Jack. I'm Matt on the other side. Lady in red. We're back. Thank you for joining us. The Growing Season continues on News Talk. Like at 960 AM. You heard me say it on the tee-up, but let me say it again for those jumping in late. GrowingSeasonCanada.com. Click on ShowBits. It's the visual accompaniment to the show, and this is one of the foundations, one of the keystones of the Growing Season because many of our listeners have said, wow, thank God for the visual because you guys are talking about so many things. It's very, very typical for us to chat about roughly 50-plus Plant materials or horticultural organisms throughout the course of fifty-three minutes. It's almost basically at the rate of one plus per minute. That's, That's a sp- lot. And who's doing that? Uh, it's mostly you, you jackass, ah. but <laughs> <laughs> uh, guys. This past week was a momentous occasion for the uh, for the for the McFarland clan, in that my wife, Miss Kelly Jordan, has gotten her vaccination. That now marks every member of the extended of our. Portion of the McFarland family is now vaccinated with their first dose. Yep.
1: yep. Very good, Matthew. Yeah. That's
0: pretty good. It feels good, doesn't it? Yes. I got my Pfizer last week and yep. outside of a sore arm and this this tail that I'm growing no. out back, but that's fine. No no, no problem. And I've bought $75,000 worth of Microsoft products that I just can't seem to quench that thirst.
2: I need to have more, more Microsoft. <laughs> Luckily, my hair is long because it hides my horns from my Moderna right. vaccine. <laughs> your, your, your Moderna horns.
0: Yeah, I love they it. it. They make an M. We actually shouldn't be joking about this. No. Uh, yeah. All right, guys. So red. Red is this one. It's funny. I actually did not expect red to happen until well a ways in. And the reason is. Do you know why that is, Matthew? Why?
1: Because you told us to. No, I didn't. No, <laughs>
0: actually, did. there's an audio record of it. Because on the tail end of last week's show, I said, hey, guys,
1: what are we doing next week? And like, let's do red. Do you know why? Why? You, you told me to do uh, hot, cold, hot, cold.
0: Okay, I'm just saying. Red for me is one that I expected to be a bit later because there's there's a cliche ness around this. Like when I say red when it comes to plants, you're probably thinking rose. Sure, that's the main one, right? Now, are we getting into many roses here on the show today? None. Okay, which is great because we are planning on probably doing another rose show. we did our first one last year, sure, and we'll jump into one this year and then touch on some of the roses that we
1: didn't touch on. And even the Thornless varieties, man.
0: Yeah, and there's a bunch of new ones, the, the, uh, the Oh So Easy series, which we've been using a lot on plans lately. And they're great because they're this little carpet kind of variety, and they're they've they're not nearly as finicky as some of your other stuff, right? Yeah. Okay, so firstly, are we getting into the history of the color red here? Or Can we
1: on? hit dirt for a minute and then move okay. on to red? Not long on dirt. No, not long on dirt. All right, go. Okay, so, Mom, the two main rules when it comes to dirt and your plant materials are
2: what? Number one, feed the soil, not the plant. Number two, the soil is like a cafeteria for your plant. Okay,
0: feed the soil, not the plant. And you say this, and Miracle Grow is going absolutely nuts. They have now dropped us (laughs) as far as sponsorship. Because with miracle Grow, they, they specifically tell you on the instructions, feed the plant. What are you talking about here?
1: No. What we're saying is if you have a healthy environment, the growing medium, if it's soil or whatever, yeah. then that plant is going to be healthy and it's going to get what it needs. Okay, let, let's go backtrack a bit. So how does a plant get its food in the first place? Well, it would be absorbing nutrients up through the root system. No. No. How is a plant getting food in the first place? Oh, Photosynthesis. Okay. Yes. Yeah. So it does the old chlorophyll thing, yeah. and it turns it into sugars, and that's its food. So why is why are we fertilizing at all? Well, I would
0: imagine that what happens is that chlorophyll is supplying that chlorophyll, that photosynthesis is supplying food, but it's you're not getting every nutrient that you need through the chlorophyll.
1: Yes? That's right. So everything in the soil—that's that, that why getting, iron or whatever—it's sure, getting it. Yeah, you're through, not getting the mineral. Thank you, Mike. you're not getting the mineral. Sure, through, through its roots. And so the idea is, Matthew, you look at NPK. So what does N do? Nitrogen. Okay. What's it's P? The, uh, phosphorus. Okay. So the phosphorus. What does phosphorus do for a plant? Well, phosphorus is just for general health. No. Yes. That's no, potassium. That's potassium. Phosphorus is for root production. Root, flower, stem, fruit, nuts. You got it. Everything. Okay. Leaves. Okay. It all in- has to do with. Phosphorus. And nitrogen is greenness. Everything to do with green. Yes. So, Matt, the idea is that you must have a healthy soil to begin with. And a healthy soil, let's say that typically around a home, your pH is in the neighborhood of the 6.5 to 7.5 range. You got it?
0: Now, speaking of healthily soiled, I have two kids, seven and five. I have only recently stopped changing healthily soiled diapers.
1: Yuck. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Let me
0: tell you, man. Holy jeez. Mom, Aaron and I would have... Crossed over, right? There oh, would yeah. have been there would have been a time period where we you two could, in diapers. Oh, oh.
2: yeah, oh. Two in diapers. Oh, yeah, I remember that. <laughs> oh my, because you were you guys were just under three years apart, right? Yeah, so yes. Oh, okay. so, yeah, Dad's like, all right, lots of healthy soil at that time.
1: <laughs> okay, not so healthy. Yes, no, but it's pretty healthy. It was, it was pretty healthy. healthy. Baby
2: yeah, poop is healthy.
1: So Matt, anyways, when people add peat moss to the soil. The pH is generally in the four point four range. Yeah, up, okay? it makes it more acidic. Sure, and yep. so that would be good for things like camellias, blueberries, rotos, azaleas, uh, Daphne's, that kind of idea. Oh boy, did I just bomb you there. But the, You
0: know what's interesting about Daphne is, I think, I've seen, spe- like specifically Carol Mackie Daphne, I've seen that on more plans
1: this year with us. Is that the, the variegated one? That's the variegated one. Oh, it's really pretty. And the pricey too. Really pricey. P for pretty, P for pricey. So, Matty, when you're adding things to the soil, to supplement, okay, so the adding grass clippings isn't necessarily the best thing nope. in the world nope. because it's high in uh, pH. It's 8.5 to 9.5 range.
0: And you're also bringing in the potential for
1: Weeds. seeds. Yes, seeds from yep. the grass. Yep. Grass. That's bad. But Matt, when, it, when the grass breaks down, it's high in ammonia. So they say they use it sparingly because it decreases the nutrient value of the compost that you're adding to your soil. So you got to be careful now doing that. The,
0: but then the question, Dad, is like when you have a farmer that goes out and just turns their fields over... It must be changing it's changing the pH. It would do exactly the same thing in the farmer's field as, as it would in your flower bed, which means if you're turning over some manner of pole crop, wouldn't that be
1: altering your pH? Have you not noticed and how they do it, Matthew? So the idea is, Matthew, they'll plant things in that field that will add various things that is missing.
2: but don't they grow? Crops like clover, timothy, alfalfa, that kind of thing, and that would add different. Okay, because I didn't know any of this stuff. Yeah, they do
1: that, Matthew. So they can add things to the soil naturally without having to go and spend a ton of money on fertilizers.
0: Okay, good to know. So that's how they would get around any sort of deficiency. Shift. They just plant something that would do the opposite. Absolutely. Okay,
1: gotcha. And and sometimes they'll they'll just leave the fields for years, okay, and leave them fallow until the actual. But then they would turn them under, and then they turn them under. Or now, these days, what they're doing is they're doing something. Zero till. And the idea is, Matt, they're not having to do any of that, and they're not losing any of that nutrient that's in the soil. Even on the zero till, so what? They just go in and they just... They just puncture holes in it. And there's no... No, they don't turn anything over. They use the seed drill. See, Yeah, they use seed drills. And the idea is, Matt, you want all the little earthworms to come along and and visit the property. for sure. Because earthworms are responsible doing things like nutrient uptake. Okay, so when they come along and they, they pass the various things through their system... It breaks it down in such a way that the plants can acquire it. And, they, and, and there's a process in which they do, and they, uh, it's called humic acid is what's released, okay? Okay. And the, not necessarily the earthworm, but it's when, when it's broken down, it creates humic acid. Okay. And the idea is, Matt, what is humic acid for? I wasn't going to answer
2: that question. Oh, no, answer the question. Uh, humic acid, well, it's got the word humus in it, so is it nutrient?
1: Okay, the idea is, Matt, you want the plant's roots to be able to acquire whatever you're putting in. Yeah. So if that's water... Or if that's fertilizer or whatever, it allows the plant to be able to draw it up through the roots, it's, and and therefore the health of the plant. It's so really important.
0: One of the things that I've been and Mom, we'll, like we'll get to your point in a second, okay? Uh, one of the things that I've been super aware of now is I have two clematis in the back of my front flower bed, and they're strapped to my.
1: It's so, not actually a word. Clematis. Well,
0: yeah, it would have to be right. Octopus. The plural of octopus is is is, is
2: octopi. Now, clematis ends in is, is, but yeah, clematis. I guess it can't yeah. be clematises. Well, anyway, in my yeah, word, doesn't okay. matter. In my two world. of them. Yes, I have two
0: clematises. All right, and when I step into the flower bed to make sure that they're affixed to the trellis, I'm constantly looking down and I'm thinking about. Colloidal retention when it comes to soil, Whoa. and I get and I get worried about the fact that I'm compressing the soil and affecting the soil's colloidal retention.
2: Very good, mom. Very good. You had a point. The point I was also going to make about earthworms is when they make their tunnels in the soil, that's loosening up the soil. It's aeration. That's allowed, yeah, aeration, yeah, aeration, and it's allowing water in too.
1: Sweetening of the soil, that's what it does. Big yes. word, big word. But Matt, as you know, when most of the in most of the cases, uh, when you buy a home. And you're digging down any depth within the soil. Yeah. That soil is not a good growing medium, okay? No. It's got everything from what in it.
0: What does it have in Oh, it? it's just like the, the guys were having beers at the end of the day and there's glass
1: and there's... It's generally clay and garbage. Yeah. And awful and bricks, wood. 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 It's awful. Insulation. Ugh. Anything that you could possibly think Strapping. of. That's Strapping. Strapping. Oh. Concrete. Yeah. And so, Matt, the idea is they're supposed to go just before they put the soil back. They're supposed to go and clean up the site. They don't. No. And they just leave it there, and then they well, put the dirt over top. One of my top. employees,
0: Mike, was asking this a couple weeks ago. Why is it called topsoil? And I said, well, topsoil originally came from the fact that when they went into an area, they were they were literally supposed to be stripping off the top layer of soil, which is the good layer of soil, mm-hmm. putting it into a pile, yeah. and hoping that and it they do. continues to they do. rot and everything. They do all of their construction, and then when they go back, they literally take the soil that was in the area and put it back. So you're taking the native soil that was already in the area and just and just replacing it. Topsoil. Yeah. However, now... I don't know how much topsoil they're putting back because, man, we're digging on sites, and let me tell you.
1: Not much. Not much. No. And so, Matt, the idea is that you want to have that soil as nutrient-rich as possible. And I'm not talking putting a bucket load of fertilizer in. But I'm just saying that, let's say, if a person is doing composting, excellent thing to do, by the way, and it's a good, it's yep. less harmful to an environment, and it keeps all this out of, the, out of the landfill. But, Matt, the idea is with uh, composting, for instance, is that when you're doing that, Every, everything is based on organic, uh, mo- sorry, uh, molecules breaking down organic matter. Okay. And th- the thing is, when they work and do their job properly, the temperatures can get up to 140 to 160 degrees within the composter itself.
0: Well, even when you go and you dig into, because we did a, a job recently at Mellie's, and we moved 10 yards of topsoil by, by wheelbarrow, like by hand, you go and start digging into there, that topsoil is warm on the
1: inside. Yes. Absolutely. And once the organic matter is being broken down by these microbials, which is basically just bacteria, yep. it gets very hot and it releases heat. And when it releases heat, you've got to release the, the heat itself. So that's why you, you would turn over these. If, the, if it's a drum method that you're using for your compost, are yep. great. And again, the microbials. So the idea is release the heat. Therefore, it doesn't kill the microbials, which, by the way, the temperatures get up to 140, to yep. 160 degrees. But Matt. 12 minutes. 12 minutes. So anyways, one more minute on this. Okay, Leaves. So the thing about leaves is they're, they're a natural fertilizer that's existing on your site for the most part if you have trees. And so we would do that screening method with the leaves and we would put them in there. Now the thing with leaves are, if you think about it, they're, they're actually a fungus, not a bacteria breaking it down. And that's why they're out in the sun. So you put these things out in the sun. And it bakes them to death. And the idea is you don't want it to get too hot because they are fungus and they are slow growing. So if it's compost takes only a matter of say, weeks to break it down. Fungus will take months, okay? yeah. And so the idea is, though, again, heat is the enemy in this case, because you, again, in the composting, you release it every two or three days, but in the in the leaves, you don't have to do it quite so often, but the idea is that everything will start to break down, and after a while, you're going to have this beautiful stuff that you can apply to your garden, and it encourages all the earthworms in the world to come visit and help out your plants. Wonderful.
0: The color red. Are we doing history first?
2: Well, there's If no, we are
0: doing history, it has to be quick. Yeah.
2: There's not much. I didn't collect much of a history for red other than uh, the color red. Scientists have revealed that the color red will make you more attractive to the opposite sex. I'm wearing red today, Jack. I'm wearing red oh. underwear, Lynn. <laughs> Does that make okay. me more attractive? <laughs> Studies reveal that red is the most attractive uh, color to both men and women, but yet we perceive it differently. Women perceive red differently from men and the attractiveness really yeah so So how do you
1: perceive my red underwear then oh I'll
2: have a look later
0: (laughs) excellent
1: (laughs) good now I'm
0: going to throw up on my mouth (laughs) wonderful okay now this brings us very very quickly to the topic of the hummingbird we do our hummingbird feeders are red in nature because it seems to attract
1: red and yellow why our
0: little hairier jump jet friends
2: yes why why is that Matthew
1: (laughs) explain why why
0: it's a, it, has, it has something to do with the sight, with the rods and the cones in their eyes, right? Cones in
1: their retinas, which they allow see, them only to see the red and yellow. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah. Gotcha. They don't really see the other colors. And the bees well. don't
0: see the red, do they? Uh,
1: uh, they're ultraviolet. Yeah. they. You know, the reason with okay. bees, it's it red and white are basically masking agents. And okay. unless you put a dot on them somewhere, something a bit of a bit of different color, they really don't uh, pay any attention whatsoever, Matt.
0: Okay. So are we going forwards or backwards here? Are we doing... Annuals and perennials first or trees and shrubs first? Let's
1: start with trees, Matthew. All right, so red. The Again, red is not necessarily just a flower. No. It can be leaf. It can be a it berry. It can be leaf. And of course, when you say red trees, you're
0: obviously going to, the mind, if you're a Canadian, begins to wander to a certain time of the year when all of the trees that are that are actually red are doing their red thing, right? Now, the one that that we don't hear enough about is Acer Janala, Right?
1: Okay, why? Why are we talking about Acer Janala?
0: Well, it's a small tree or a large shrub. Yes?
1: Uh, eh, it's not one of my favorites. It, it might grow 15 to 20 feet high in yep. that kind of range. Yep. And above, it's not fire much Fire engine difference. red. And it's fire engine red in the fall. And it also has a cute little maple leaf it's on it. It's the
0: cutest leaf. It's the cutest maple leaf of all the maple leaves. So, Maddie,
1: I want to stay away from Amber for a minute. Yep. The Acer Janala. Can we go to Paul's Scarlet Hawthorne? Yes lavigata. Okay, yeah. can, and can, there's a Latin word by the way. It's been up already once, but let's do it again. It, it's, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It bears repeating. It's not even a crutch word when I say no. it's already been up once, right?
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes, yeah, 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 yeah. And that's just today. <laughs> <laughs> that's just today. <laughs>
1: okay, okay. So, anyways, Matt. In the past, I used uh, the, the Paul Scarlet a lot again because of we had limited uh, varieties that we could use in our garden. Okay. We never.
0: I have never specified or planted one of these things. And it is, that is a, that is a, a freaking crime. Yeah. Because these are gorgeous.
1: Yeah, Matt. They grow in the 18 to 25-foot range, 15, 20-foot spread, that kind of idea. But Matt, they even a round top. But the red flowers are something unusual then. What are they? They're
0: corums. So this is the same as your... Uh, Queen Anne's lace. Queen Anne's lace. Yarrow. Yeah. Yeah, yeah um, that yeah, idea. Yeah, I've never seen one of these trees. Now, the, the, the issue here with this is it's called a hawthorn, okay? It has thorns. It's got thorns. Okay, yes. so this would be one of the reasons why we would not want to use this on a tree, or on a tree, on a property, because if you've got little ones, you don't want to be dealing with thorns. But when you say the size of this thing, 18 to 20 and 15 foot spread or whatever it was, this is an ornamental tree. Sure. Like this is a wonderful option. Except for the fact that it's got
2: thorns. If you have a big country property, for sure, you want something for interesting. For sure.
0: Or if, or if your children are, are older yeah. and they're not going to be taken to climbing this thing yeah. or getting too close to it, then absolutely. But the problem is with little ones,
2: yeah.
1: these things have got major thorns on them. But you wouldn't climb it, Matthew. It's not the kind of tree no, that no, you no, would no, think totally. of. But Matt, the idea is that for us personally, we would use it on informal or cottage style gardens when we were designing them. Yep. And in the past, we would, be, we would use them a lot because of the red, orange, fall color. Even on the leaves and as well the berries themselves. So, but Matty, zone four and up, they're pretty damn tough. The fact that they have most of these berries mean they should be in full sun. Same thing, same thing goes for the bloom. Yeah. Okay. Right, more sun, more bloom. You got it. Yeah. And so, Matt, any soil type, even a, even a bit on the moist style, any pH. And Matt, it's fantastic for birds, butterflies, that kind of idea. And in the past, Matt, we would use it a lot for screens. But, Lynn, what was one of the main problems with
2: it? It gets uh, caterpillars, gall mites, aphids, leaf spot, and fire blight. It's a a member of the rose family. So it gets a lot of things that roses get. Yeah, that's weird. And it even has the thorns, thorns too.
1: But, Matt, you don't eat the fruit. Even though if you were tempted, I I don't know why you would be. But it can cause a major upset stomach and also gives you everybody's favorite, the runs. Okay? (laughs) All right. One that we should touch on, staghorn sumac. Okay, hit it. Okay, so staghorn
0: sumac is a shrub that you probably would not, or it's a small tree, large shrub type thing.
1: I think it's more like a tree, but anyways, go with it.
0: Is one that you would not want to be planting in your front garden. Okay, these things, this is essentially like a retaining wall system. (laughs) Yeah, like kind of, this is nature's retaining wall system. These things get major roots uh, and is this is this rhizome? Do these things spread by rhizome? It's definitely an underground root system. Are they considering Yeah, so this, this is
2: spread by runners, yeah. Okay. Yes. And they grow in colonies. Colonies, yeah. you always yeah. plant
1: them in colonies. Why?
2: Yeah, well because what happens is they
0: the one root system links into the other and they begin to help each other, right? Like it's 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 an it about the sharing of nutrients, the sharing of this, yeah. the sharing of that. Yes?
1: Back to the dirt, right? Yeah. And completely. that's why I, dirt was so important today.
0: Wait. Well, these guys are these guys, you've seen these. They've, they actually are called staghorn sumac because the bark has this fuzz on them. And they have these wonderful, wonderful red. It looks like a huge raspberry kind of stretched out and widened a bit. It's this weird. And they're fuzzy but, to it.
1: But the idea is, man, when they would get older, they become quite woody again. And so the idea is, just I'm not like going you. to go too much near that. <laughs> but Matt, they would, what we would do, because they, the growth was up to the exterior portion of the branches, you would have this bare spot from down the, below. From down below. So we would plant probably Rus aromatica, which is the fragrant sumac. Underneath. Underneath, just, yep. just to cover in the blank spot a bit. But if
0: you're looking for a way, if you've got an area that you want to just naturalize, and if you want to have it sort of go a little bit slightly invasive... You can put this stuff in. It's fantastic. Yeah. They use this a lot near Gabion basket walls. Yeah,
2: they do. Yes. And, that size and, it just, and actually,
0: the, this, the the sumac, the root systems begin to link into the Gabion basket walls, and they almost help
2: to hold the
1: wall into the hill.
2: You know what else? You can plant it near black walnut. It's not affected by salt. the, the jugglings. And it
1: Poisonous. doesn't mind salt either. doesn't mind any of that, any soil type, any pH. It does not care. Okay, this is what's good about it. And I know a lot of people uh, will actually use it for uh, infusing various drinks and so forth, yeah. the actual fruit. And Really? That it's very high in vitamin C and Matt, Everybody, but everybody knows that a sumac has absolutely a kick-ass red fall color. Oh, yeah. better, than the, better than the burning bush. Absolutely, yeah. way better than the bird yeah. and it has a compound pomade anywhere from approximately 11 to 25 leaflets Yeah, and that, that, but the a thing about it is it does have some issues as far as various insects and the lights. what are they Lynn?
2: I am not sure, uh, well I see leaf spot and verticillium wilt that's the same thing for the bananas isn't it?
1: yeah it's all to do with it mostly leaf problems Matthew because it's pretty damn durable so they're great okay moving on to some of the evergreens here can we this one one we never touched. Go for it. Okay, so in the past, man, we would plant again because of re- the n- various numbers were kind of limited. We used to plant something called spindle tree, Euonymus europaeus, okay? Okay. And so in the past, we would plant this a lot because they it was it was an actually a fantastic it had a I'm trying to think here, a very strange fruit looking thing on in the fall. Okay. The seeds had a reddish uh, outer uh, I've seen this, yeah, with a yellow center. Yeah, okay. I see that too. Now, the problem is it's very, very poisonous, okay? So, you do not want to eat the fruit in any way. Anyways, nobody would ever want to. So, what you should to. do is
2: plant
0: some of these with some lily of the valley down oh, below yeah. and some yews all around. All around. Yeah, a poison, a poison party. Poison city <laughs> madness, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah,
1: But, Matt, it, it's interesting. It has dark green leaves. And what is really cool about it, it was the original understock for some standard. Any idea what that would be? Buonymus, you want Euonymus, you will buy. Spindle tree.
2: For
0: um, don't know. Um
2: it's the uh rootstock for you want standard. Yes. Okay. So if yeah. you if you're talking I, I could
0: have got that but just thought that that was way too easy.
1: No, it was that easy, Matt. Yeah. But Matt, the thing is this thing can live about a hundred years. Uh, in the past, they used to use it to make spindles, toothpicks, that kind of idea. And actually, it was used as a laxative. Don't so, know what part of it? I, I don't have any idea laxative. what part of it. But yeah. once I hear the word laxative, I want to kind of stay away. <laughs> yep. But Matt, 27, 28 feet tall. So, it, it's not a little one. And for some reason, they say that the nectar is a great source for St. Mark's fly. Are you don't aware what of what the is. hell a St. Mark's no, fly is? I no, have no idea. No, I would assume that they're shopping at Marksburg Warehouse.
2: Yeah. I would imagine.
1: <laughs> yes. But, but, Matt, it, it does also have problems with insects such as aphids, hoverfly, but they, it can be all taken care of by ladybugs and lacewings. And, and then that should correct most of your problems. I want to do it naturally without chemical. Uh, you I,
0: I completely agree. I completely agree. Yeah, and, and again, you know, probably shouldn't be planting this on your site if you do have little ones, considering that it's ultra-poisonous. On the other side, we're going to get into some evergreens, or in this case, some redder greens. Perennials, shrubs, (laughs) and annuals. We're going to have a lot of information coming your way. This is The Growing Season on News Talk, Saga 960 AM. We continue on the other side. CK. This is the Growing Season on News Talk. It's 960 AM. Stay with us. Follow along. GrowingSeasonCanada.com. Click on Show Bits. It's the visual accompaniment to the show. Now, you should not be looking at Show Bits while driving. Okay? This is why we have done we have done the show in a certain way. Directly after this show airs, let's say you are tooting around in your vehicle and you're like, whoa, I was... A- the mentioning spindle tree. I got to get 14 of these. I hate my mother-in-law. Let's plant some spindle tree around her property. Or or
1: I want to make toothpicks. Or you
0: want to make (laughs) toothpicks. So you're driving around and you're like, oh, you know what? I don't even know what it looks like. No problem. All you got to do is go home, growingseasoncanada.com, click on Show Bits. Directly after this show airs, this actual show is podcasted and dropped into the blog. You hit play on the episode and you can literally follow along in chronological order, with everything that we've talked about. Okay? All right. Evergreens. Now, not many people associate the color red with evergreens.
2: But, Mom? The Norway spruce. And I'm going to tell you a little story about the Norway spruce. On one of our trail walks, remember May, April, May was pretty cool. We were walking along and there was an evergreen. It was a spruce, Norway spruce. I am not kidding you. The tips... The new growth tips on this Norway spruce were so red they looked like strawberries. Mm.
1: Thermal regulation, Matthew, is what it's for.
2: And I I'm like So what so what you're
0: saying
1: is that it protects the new growth until it, it's warm enough to So because
0: it's cool outside, the tree yeah. automatically knows that, so it makes the tips red in order to yeah reflect any sun that comes its
2: way.
1: Just think yeah. of it almost like a yeah. leather protector going on yeah. until the it, it tree is bigger.
2: I've actually got pictures of it. It was unreal. I've never seen that. So, when you think of conifers, yes, there can be some red on them. Now, the red on the Norway spruce only lasts about two weeks and then it turns green.
1: But the one that we would be talking about, Matt, would be more the Rubra, so the Picea Abbey's Rubra Spicata. And it's only a short variety, Matt, only 10 to 12 feet tall, instead of its normal. Sixty to hundred feet. I, I'm not even sure is about really, the actual, really cool. What is the height of a Norway? A oh, Norway. isn't it like sixty feet? They're, just, they're massive. I thought it was like sixty to hundred feet. Oh yeah, high they're, yeah, they're
2: massive. Yeah, yeah, yeah but, yeah, but the spicata huge. doesn't yeah. get that big. Now here's something interesting too. In Norway, in 2012, they found a Norway spruce that they carbon dated. It was 9,550 years old. Oh, so do you this know what, is Matt? a real survivor. It even beat the Bristol. Brist- yeah, Brist- they, they said the 5,300
1: years or something. The Pinus longaeva. Yeah. Was going to be was the oldest tree on earth? Well, this guy, uh, you know, beats out the the actual Bristol Cone Pine. Man, imagine the things that that thing has seen. Yeah, yeah, holy! Yeah. But
2: the red just blew me away. I I mean, we've walk, been walking this trail now for quite a few years. I've never seen it till this year. Strawberry red.
1: But you know what? Matt? It takes mildly acidic soil, even neutral. And Matt, it's it's the coolest thing in the world. And if you get a chance, we should maybe work one of these in on the drawing because they're a little plant. You just gotta, well, if we get the Spicata, we can get a smaller version. Sure. But on the big guy. But zone through the three through eight, Matt, you can pretty well put it anywhere except not too hot. So okay. you can't go to California, for instance. No, All right,
0: no. deciduous shrubs, I would be remiss if we didn't get into some high bush cranberry.
1: Actually, you know what, Matt? We use it a lot in the past and it's fallen by the wayside. In the past, they used to, people would always call it a snowball tree, right? Yeah. The only reason why it's fallen by the
0: wayside for us is the stinking powdery mildew.
1: Yeah, it's horrible.
0: Now, if you can get this thing in a location that is got a lot of air movement, not a lot of... These things like partial shade, but if you're going to get partial shade with this, you have to have a lot of air movement around this so, so that you're not getting this, this powdery mildew. But man, the berries on this thing. Are just
1: bananas great, but there's only one thing when it comes to the berries. The birds get them. No, what it takes upwards to five years before you ever see any of the berries, right? Because they just don't happen to show up until at least five so years. Not,
0: so you're not even sure if you if you have one. Yeah. No, you're not like sure. It's just not yeah, no. a high bush cranberry. <laughs> it's but just you, a high bush. <laughs> you know, yeah, I
1: know. But Matt, you know, it has the green leaf kind of thing yeah. going on, and they can grow anywhere up to eight to fifteen feet, eight to ten foot widespread. spread. But, Matt, we used them a lot for attracting wildlife, screens, that kind of idea. Yep. It was good for birds and so forth. But, Matt, sun, part shade. Again, if you want more flower, yep. more sun. More sun. And it's just that it took most most soil types, Matt. It had no problem with most of the pH. And, again, it would even tolerate a bit of drought. So we, we used it a lot. And, again, looking back, we didn't have a lot of choice when it came to certain things. And people heard the word snowball. And right. they automatically thought about all oh, your... You know, your hydrangeas and so forth. And they thought them of that way. But they're a smaller version and they're a big shrub. So you need a lot of room for this to grow.
2: You can make jam, too, with the berries. Really? Yep. Yeah. And the berries are droops, actually.
0: Eww, droops. Eww. And do you know what a droop <laughs> yes. is, Matthew? A droop is, it is a seed surrounded by a fleshy, ovary thing. Yeah. Yes? Yeah.
1: Okay, I agree. Yeah. yeah.
0: That's, yeah. Droop is uh, is what I'm doing after a day of running <laughs> 10 yards <laughs> of topso Yes? Yes. Okay. One that I love while we're on to this and this falls into the flowering shrubs as well as the broadleaf evergreen is Cranberry Ketone Aster. Really? I love Cranberry Ketone Aster. Okay, why? Well, Cranberry Ketone Aster for for audience that, that doesn't know Cranberry Ketone Aster is very similar to your ground cover Ketone Aster. And these Ketone Asters are these they they're slightly like creeping evergreens, and they look beautiful on rock because they creep over the rock and then down a little but not bit. not
1: cranberry. That no. Would, but that the, would be its family members. The family members. So, like your rock spray, your coral beauty, all those yeah. ones. Yeah. Oh, boy, I'm really hitting you up with this I show. But Sorry. the
0: cranberry is the shrub version. This thing gets about three feet tall, but they get these beautiful, beautiful, beautiful red berries throughout the winter.
1: Sure. And, and they have a, wait a minute, they have a level four toxin. Coming attached with them, Matthew.
0: Okay, so again, this is going to be one that you're not going to want to have around if you've got
1: dogs or kids. Humans, only a few to eat. Okay, And any dog, a few berries, and that would do you in. And by the way, this stuff is not pleasant. Heart, liver, kidneys, brain, they all get attacked by this. So it's not something that you would normally go out of your way to eat. But if you are
0: in a situation where you're looking for four-season interest, and you're looking for something that would be attractive over the winter, this is one of them.
1: Absolutely, and one other thing is that it's part of the rose family. And then you're going to say, "Well, if it's part of the rose family, does it have thorns?" No. And the answer is, it's the friendly relative to pyracantha. In other words, you know, pyracantha would have very similar berries on yep. it, like the fire thorn. Yep. But this thing here actually has no thorns, and you get the berry to boot, and it's yeah. pretty as hell. They're absolutely beautiful. I I put this on a drawing for the first time in, in like a number of
0: years, just recently, and because this. This client had the conditions for it and wanted to have a situation where he had four seasons of interest right at his front door.
1: Great. Yeah. But you know what, Matt? It has a small white-pink bloom. That's not what you're really yeah. buying it for. No. But one of the main problems, as far as I could find, uh, over the years, we used it. And it would take almost any soil-type, Matt, tolerated uh, alkaline soils as well. And Matt, clay, road salt. It didn't care. We used to use it for hedges. But one of the problems was, especially on the lower varieties, especially the Dammerai, which was really bad, the Skog holmes. Yeah. They would have, the, the tips would get frozen off in the wintertime and it required a lot of spring pruning. And that was one of the biggest issues with it.
0: Didn't you have a situation where you guys were using this in some sort of a, was it a? Dixie Plaza.
1: Yeah. And I said no at the time. And the landscape architect had
0: specified Skogholm. They and they you came in. And you were like, you're going to regret this.
1: Yeah, I said uh, we don't. I don't really recommend you putting in the Damarai right? That's actually, uh, yeah, the home for twenty astromat. But I said at the time, I said they're, they're going to get burned off in this open parking lot because they're out in the wind. They're, they're getting. They yeah. should be able a little bit of protection and so forth. And we put it in over 400, and I think about 40 survived. But I did get the initial on it before I had to plant yeah. them. And anyways, we went back and planted them the following year and I used something else that was not call home cotoneaster. Piece of garbage, by the way. Never buy that stupid thing. <laughs> <laughs> but there's a lot of
0: Good coral ones. beauties, coral
1: beauties, oh, beautiful, Keto- um, cranberries, beautiful, Rock spray, very more wispy. They're beautiful. Perfect for alpine applications, Matt. And then, again, it's for everything it has, positives, it has very few negatives.
0: All right. I'm taking the lead off OK, <laughs> <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, if you want to pull the pin on the red grenade when it comes to perennials, fireball B-bomb. This is red, 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 red. Hey, mom, these suckers are red. They're really red. Yeah. This is
1: and they're awesome. I Do know what, Matt? We they are it. awesome. We sit them up on our trail walk all the time. Oh, they're yeah. so yeah. good. They're right right next river. to riverbanks. Yeah.
0: Yeah. This thing is great. It's a compact clump forming little guy. Okay. One to two feet in height, one to two feet in spread. It's interesting because we have perennials for us come in about three different sizes, eight inches, maybe 12 to 14 inches. And then you start to get into your bigger stuff, two feet to three feet, right? This thing is in your, in your middle range perennial, okay? The bees freaking love it. They go bonkers for this thing.
1: It's a clump, right? But it's it- a
0: clump. It'll take anything as far as soil. This is, a, this is a 401 perennial. Dig this sucker into the middle of the highway, right? Chalk, clay, loam, sand, moist, but well-drained. PH, it likes acid, it likes alkaline, it likes neutral. Tolerates clay soil. Deer and rabbits, it seems to be sort of a, a you know okay with. Attracts birds, butterflies, goods for cut flowers, used for garden beds and borders. This thing- Is
1: wonderful. Is
0: wonderful. This is one that- uh, when it comes to, if I see red show up on a color scheme, I'm thinking, it's, well, red and sun, it's going to be Fireball
2: bebop, And it's probably easy to split, too, once it gets well, going. Well, it's a,
0: it's a fibrous root system, so you, you know, give it its two or three years. I, when it hits its third year, yeah. split it
1: up. Yeah. And just remember, once you split something, it's going to take at least another year for it's it's going to to shock bounce it to back. Sure. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But, Maddie, if I had to choose something, I would take the tall flocks, the paniculata, oh. red riding hood. Yes. Yeah. And I think it's a fantastic herbaceous perennial as well. And it mat again, one and a half to two feet with a two foot spread. It's got cherry red, fragrant tubular flowers. Yeah, tubular. I love so that. So hummingbirds would like it then. Yes, very much tubular. so. Full sun, part shade again, flowers more if you have sunlight. And Matt zones three through nine. So it's a pretty damn tough little plant. You know, we've been doing this now,
0: like in this format, since August of 2019.
2: Yeah, yes. September 2019.
0: Okay. So, I remember taking piano lessons, and they would, they would introduce you to rhythm. Okay, so when I say rhythm, I'm talking about notes and spaces, <laughs> okay? But didn't really pick up on rhythm until I began taking drum lessons. Yeah. And I had a drum teacher that explained rhythm very, very well, okay, in a way that I could understand. And maybe it's just that I had a, you know, a room temperature IQ, No. And that I couldn't figure it out. And that I couldn't figure it out. But he explained it in a way that I could get. And I've done a bunch of schooling for horticulture. And maybe it's just that, and it's not even you, Dad, explaining it. I think it's just that we are exposed to this now so often that now I really wish that in school they would have stressed like some very, very simple rules. Okay. So one of them is. If you don't know when to prune it, directly prune. after it's done its big bloom blast, prune it then. That yeah. is your safest bet. Well,
1: you know, yeah. they always say prune in June, but that yeah. should be prune after flowering.
0: Prune after flowering, and it doesn't matter. Like, okay, so I have a, these clematis in my front flower bed. They're a type three, which means they bloom on new wood, which means you could theoretically, well, you're supposed to prune this thing in February, March, but or fall. Or fall, or late fall. Yes. The point is that if you, by accident, prune that thing directly after it bloomed, you're probably okay, right? So, there's a there's a general rule that I never learned in school. Another general rule is this. If you're not sure whether you should be planting it in full sun or part shade, just think about the nature of this thing, right? Think about, like, think about a white That should be planted in full sun. Because that thing flowers like a fiend, okay? The monarda, you should plant that thing in full sun.
1: Coreopsis.
0: Yeah. Coreopsis. So the more that this thing blasts bloom out, now potentilla is a little weird because you can get away with it. A little in, bit. In, okay, in part shade. But if you think about something like a potentilla, potentilla flowers all freaking summer. And on our yellow show, we made mention, there's the bang for your buck. You want something that is yellow
1: all the damn time? And a barometer to boot. Right. But Matty, you're you're right, one hundred percent. But here's here's the thing as well. We I didn't say here's the thing. I said as well. But, <laughs> I was like, but, wait a but, minute. No, but Matty, just think about it. When if people would would uh, learn the long bloomers and tall flocks is a long oh, bloomer.
2: It just and, keeps on. And depending. it just
1: keeps giving you all summer long That's and absolutely. any color, but the red. It just well. Knocks you my saw socks the one off. that
0: I that I just put on a. Uh, on a job site, Orange Perfection. Oh, there's an it's orange an one? It's an orange
2: one. Oh, wow.
1: Wow. I've never seen that one, Matt.
2: It's incredible. And so- you know what? They just, they we have two tall phlox plants in our front bed, and they don't even require any maintenance, really. we got, we got 10 minutes to happen. They just keep on giving. Yeah,
0: I, I totally agree. And the nice part with them, too, is that if you put the tall phlox in an area, and then you can get some of the lower phlox in front of it, you got... What the flocks is going yeah, on here? Yeah. It's just insane.
1: But even yeah. your right? blanket, even your blanket flower, your gallardia, oh, 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 they I just bloom Gillardia. all the time as well. So you can pick and choose. And the, the blanket plants. flower, speaking of red,
0: we literally were just talking about this off off air. I have a drawing that I'm just getting the I'm getting the the plant order sent out to Conan Nursery. There's your uh there's your plug, Conan.ca, and I'm using Arizona Red Blanket Flower. And it's the blanket flower is interesting because it's the exact same thing that's happened with the cone flower. It just seems like the hybridizers have been like snorting lines of cocaine in the background, <laughs> going, "Okay, now what can we mess with? Woo! Right, it's a party." So, yeah. like, they've, what they've done with the cone flowers in that there's this insane array now of cone flowers. Yeah, it they, used to be just you purple. have an insane array of blanket flower. Like, True. it's nuts. But you know why,
1: If blanket flower and and say tall flocks and all these ones Choreopsis, tick tickseed, are all long bloomers. As far as you're concerned, and it's on our, I sent you a list. It's on a list. What is one of the shorter-blooming ones out there? Oh, poppies. Poppies. You know, I like poppies, but paper, this one we want to talk about is roeus, Matt. Yeah. And this thing here is basically about 28 inches tall, and it has a six to one foot spread. But Matt, this particular um, uh, red uh, corn poppy is about, it is really rad. Okay, but the problem is, again, if you aren't careful, you'll miss the bloom. I I agree. This is... Hybridizers
0: out there, if you're listening, this is something that that you need to do. You need to make a poppy that will will rebloom. Now, these things, they spread by seed like crazy. Yeah. Okay? But you only get the one shot. And man, the bloom is so beautiful on the one shot that it's almost worth... I specified one for the lovely and talented Amelia Thornton in Waterdown this year on a landscape plan called Champagne Bubbles. Oh, And nice. it gives you the red, the orange, the champagne colored, and then the light white, all on the same wow. perennial.
1: But isn't this Rojas, isn't this uh, basically the same one as the Flanders yeah. Field uh, Poppies? The
0: Field Poppy. Yes, it isn't is. Isn't this, I thought this was, this is not the latex. This is not. Uh,
2: no, this is the Flanders the Field poppy poppy, and supposedly this variety of poppy likes to grow in areas that have been disturbed and have rubble. Yeah, it's a, weird, it's a weird little
1: beast, isn't it? Yeah. And, it is. and you know what, Matt? It tolerates deer, rabbits. It's also good for cut flowers and so forth, Matt. And in the past, we would use it a lot on garden beds and borders, that kind of idea.
0: Okay, so literally, as we are recording, and I love this, you've, you've seen my, or you've heard of my adoration for business on air, Okay. As we are recording, one of my lovely clients, her name is Denise, she has sent me a picture of the Japanese maple that she has sourced for her front yard. My father did up a landscape plan for her. Dad, this is the Japanese maple that she has sourced. Look at this thing.
1: Wow, it's beautiful.
0: Mom, do you see that? Oh, that's gorgeous. I'll post a picture of an audience. Uh, it's got to be some manner of crimson queen. This is an archal lace leaf looking thing.
1: Nancy, dissect dissectum. Wow. Yeah, but Maddie, if, with with time restraints, will can we move away from the annuals for a second? We to, are, sorry, perennials from perennials, in, into into the into the annuals. Annuals. Yes, freeze. absolutely. Go. So, Maddie, if uh, in the past what we've been doing is we planted in, in a very dry, hot areas, we would use something that would be on the bright red side. And one of our clients named Dan Brooks, who are probably listening, we would use this quite readily on their property. Can you go and explain, Lynn?
2: Patriot red geraniums, yeah, really bright red. Basically, super popular in the United States, by the way. Yes,
0: yeah. what you get Patriot is, orange geraniums used to be used yeah, to be popular, really popular, but not so much now.
2: <laughs> yeah, and if you are a Democrat, you want Patriot blue. Patriot that's blue, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, this uh, this geranium is like a bright, really bright red. This, is, flower on a this is a geranium.
0: You know how on the photographs, guys, we 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 turn the saturation up.
2: Yeah, that's you what this is. Yeah. No,
0: no, this was this is like a geranium with the saturation turned yeah. way up. It's, it's like that's a cartoon. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: It grows twenty four inches in height. It can spread eighteen inches. It blooms late spring to early fall. These, right up can, to frost. Right up to frost. It grows in full sun. It mm. can grow in part sun. But the one thing it's with a succulent. Geranium, is it really? Yes. Okay, well I know is some... a
1: quadrangulata as well, the bark on it? you mean the stem. The stem yeah. isn't it quadrangular? I think it's four sided,
2: yeah. Yeah, yeah.
0: But the big thing with this mom is the deadheading.
2: Oh yeah. Oh, if my you God. don't yeah. deadhead your yeah. geraniums, you don't get blooms. I gotta tell you, listen. We shouldn't even we shouldn't even be
0: calling this thing geranium, by the way. No, no. we should call it pelargonium. Yeah. Because geranium is the, the, per, the perennial geranium should be getting way more play because that is such a cool little perennial.
1: It's an excellent little one. Any, any soil condition you can any think you want. of. Sure. And it's, yeah. uh, it, blooms, blooms, it blooms all summer. And we actually got one off of one of your clients last uh, year. Karen Peterson. Out of uh, Etobicoke. And it was growing on her front lawn yeah. and I brought it home.
0: You, okay. There's a variety of perennial geranium and not to jump because this is not obviously a, a red one, but this is a purpley one. It's called Roseanne. Okay. R-O-Z-A-N-N-E. Oh. This sucker blooms constantly. Constantly.
2: They're so fantastic. Pretty. They're yeah, absolutely. Okay. We now, the one we, thing about geraniums, they repel bees. What bees yeah. don't like them?
1: No, they don't like so them. So, like are talking
0: about pelargonium, like the annual geranium, the annual geranium, annual yes. one. Bees yeah. don't like them. No, no they they
1: don't be- like bees them. don't like them. Isn't it again, the so, No, I don't. It, it, well, probably a little bit of both. I mean, if you think about shape, it, Matt, them. the flower shape, the it's not the right kind of landing pad for them. I remember red and white, unless they have a dot on them, right. they don't see them. But Matt, if we have to motor along here. So if you yeah. had a choice, I don't know what our time... time lo- we got three minutes. Three minutes. So we could probably hit canna lilies maybe and maybe a dahlia for a second. Okay. So anyways, Matt, canna lilies are basically a bulb. Am I right, Lynn? Yes. Yes. Okay. okay. So what do you know about them, Lynn?
2: Well, they're, they're tropical. Yeah, there's it's tropical and subtropical. They can grow up to eight feet in height.
0: These suckers are nuts. Yeah.
2: yeah. Now, what you get is a spiky flower. They're usually... uh I've seen them in red, orange, yellow. This looks like pink. a parrot. Like it's, yeah. Wait, wait, wait a
1: minute, and you can also get this, Matthew, when you get them with the burgundy leaf on them. Now you've got the red, orange, or yellow yeah. on a burgundy leaf, and the, does it ever pop?
2: Yeah. No, and, they're cool. And the stem of them look like looks like they're she, it's sheathed in the leaves, and the leaves are big too. It they're looks like a big. Shape. It looks like a big grass. Are they a whirl? It? Yeah.
1: Are they yeah. a whirl? coming out from one point uh, and wrapping itself. do you it like it, a tulip? It, it's got a whirl. No, yeah, but you know how a tulip is. That's a whorl. So I wonder if they yeah, are a whorl. Could be. You have to look into it. But Matt, as, he, as uh, your mom was saying, they'll take uh, basically zones 7 through 10. So in other words, you got to either dig them out in the fall or whatever. We use them as annuals in, yeah, it, sure. in very yeah. similar fashion to the dahlia. Sure, and huh. full sun, they can spread by rhizome and they well, they actually would do very well in even poorly drained soils, Matt. But they, again, they are subject to things like leaf spot... Rust, bacterial problems and like blight. But Matt, we use them a lot as accents, spotters yeah. in beds. They're very would, dramatic, lovely. We we, we we use them a lot in uh, planters, in like the large like central part of a yeah, large you gotta, yeah. container. Yeah. Plant yeah.
2: them to the back of your garden too, because they do they get, monstrous. get tall.
1: And you yeah. know Matt, they're good for uh, you know, insects and also they attract things like bats so and for at night sh- for the night shift and also hummingbirds during the day. But Matt, let's hit Dahlia quickly, the exponata. Do we have time? Yeah. Go. Okay, Quick. so go ahead. So, Matt, basically, it's a perennial from the Asteraceae family, and it is a tuber. And where do they come from, then?
2: They come from Mexico and Central America. That's where they're native. Yeah, I thought it was Peru. Wasn't I it? thought so, too, but it's Mexico and Central America, and because their stems are hollow when they get big, the Aztecs would use their hollow stems for water pipes. One foot to six foot in height. Okay, these, these suckers have to be staked get yes, they get They, 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 get, they yes. get big? Yeah. Okay.
0: One foot to three foot in spread, we would be putting this into our large, I guess, our large annual category. Okay. Full sun.
1: Full sun. Yeah. Full sun. Yeah. Full sun. Every shape known to man. Yeah. You get dinner plates. size sized suckers sure. on those yeah. things. You are huge. You get dinner plates, uh, cup and saucer. They have the semi-cactus, cactus, pom-poms. You name it, they got it. Yeah. But Matt, one of the things is their soil preferences. Uh, do, you know, do you know what I'm talking about, Lynn? What is their soil preference?
2: They like loosened, well-drained soil, but they do not like to be mulched, and they do not like bagged soil, like the stuff you would buy in the store. That kind of soil is harmful to the tubers.
1: And it will actually what? bloom less. They bloom less. You better to you just get- have your typical soil in your planting bed with adding your compost. What if you bring in like a yard? Of- no, that's fine. A is fine. fine. It's the yep. bag stuff. They like something you know, that's... don't like in, the bag stuff. No, no, and even on the sandy side, if you can get a sandy loam, even better yet. Just think of the environment in which they yeah, grow, Yeah, it's, like
0: it's almost, you're, you're getting near cactus type soil.
1: Sure, and again, they're, they're they're there for the bumblebees, but dahlias really are not there for any of the other bees. But, Matt, in the past, uh, because because of the way the flour is set up, it's just too deep of the, the actual yeah, tubules the, for they, them to get these the neck can't there. get into it. No. Yeah. And we would use them, again, like you said, containers and so forth. And we also would, all, from time to time, on borders, that kind of thing. And that's a great place to press pause.
2: And now, up to plate, <laughs> Lynn McFarl. I'm going to talk about the American bittersweet. This is, uh, what do you buy?
1: Scandens.
2: Yeah. Now, the flour on it isn't much. But it's the seeds that produce. They're orange. They're fire engine red, red, and they've got a bit of yellow, like a little yellow casing on them that splits, and the seed appears. But the interesting thing about the bittersweet is, at maturity, the bittersweet—it's a vine. At maturity, the bittersweet vine would outweigh a shade tree.
0: These are highly invasive. Highly, highly invasive. Highly, highly invasive. invasive. But again, if you've got an area that you want to cover up real quick, and you want to have it look like 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 nothing else. This is the thing.
1: And never plant them on your tree trunks. No, it'll, it'll be it'll very girdle, harmful if you yeah, it'll girdle it'll them. Hurt. Yes.
0: Yeah, yeah. GrowingSeasonCanada.com is the website. Click on whatever the heck you want to click on. There's lots <laughs> to click on there. Contact takes you to an email form that, that comes in, in to me for consults, installs, as well as landscape designs. You can also click on Showbits, it's, it's a visual accompaniment to this show. You can click on the TGS Color Series which you can find all of the other entries in this series that we're doing now. Click on TGS Live. That is our landline program. We were at one point doing a streaming program, but uh, we should have put on pause. It is not gone. It shall be back. But it's just that right now with job sites, designs, and consults, I can't even count the number of and properties. And school. And school. I can't even count the number of properties that I've seen recently. It's just crazy. So there's a bunch of stuff to like click on there. Click on About. It tells you... About about the McFarlands. Click on home. It's a, it's the home page, right? All right. So normally we end the show with a joke, but just in light of just what's happening right now, and that's the rustling of paper, we thought we might want to do something a little bit different. Check this out. If you feel like you're losing everything, remember that trees lose their leaves every year, and still they stand tall and wait for better days to come. Here's to better things to come from the growing season. Mom. Till next time. Have a good
2: one, and please be safe.
1: Jack out.
0: If you miss any part of our show today or any of our earlier broadcasts, don't panic. Just log on to our website at www.saga960am.ca backslash podcasts and look for and stream our podcasts of this show and any of our other great programs.